The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 135 for January 7th, 2008. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the first Mac Geek Gab of the new year. Uh, Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year, Dave. Yeah, I am Dave Hamilton. Of course, that's uh, John Braun. And we are here to talk about uh, all things Mac and beyond as we do each week for you. Uh, although next week, John, is Macworld Expo. And we're probably going to talk to you folks. I think we'll I think we'll have three Geek Gabs next week is kind of the plan if we can do it. We'll do one on Monday. You know, we'll, we'll both have uh, gotten into town, into San Francisco by then, hopefully settled in our uh, hotels, wherever that may be. <laughs> you know, John, we speaking of hotels. Uh-oh. Well, we we kind of screwed up. Not we didn't screw up at all. Our our promotion with the with the Milano that you heard about went so well. There's not enough rooms left there for us, so I think we're staying somewhere else. But but we'll be all right. Um, but uh, so I think a couple of the staffers are staying at the Milano, and a couple were kind of bounced around. But but we'll be fine. Uh, so we'll do one Monday from whatever hotel we're in, and then Tuesday we'll probably do one again. Uh, just talking about our reactions of the keynote. And then later on in the week, Thursday or maybe Friday afternoon before we jet out, um, we'll we'll kind of do a wrap up of what we saw on the show floor. We'll have the uh, TMO Editor's Choice uh, Awards to talk about and uh, and all sorts of good stuff. So that's uh, that's next. So actually, yeah. So, so you may want to if we're going to talk about what happened after the keynote, it, we might as well mention it now. If you have any speculations as to what may happen. Let yeah. us know, and we'll, uh, you know, see how people do. Yeah, and maybe at the end of this show tonight, John, if we've got some time, we'll we'll talk about our own uh, our own speculations. But but before we get there, we have a couple other things to cover. We uh, have your questions and some tips. We've got some questions about uh, migration and Skype and startup. Uh, we've also I I there was a comment in the show notes last week that one of you left that I think has kind of led me down the right path for this whole iCal to do management thing. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then if we can do it right, I think we've got a great explanation of, uh, of kind of the way that time machine is working under the hood. So with that, I think John, we, uh, we jump right to right to max, unless you've got, you've got a reason otherwise. Nope. Let's go. All right, Max, take it away. Hi, John and Dave. Max here from the UK. I love the show, I'm a long-time listener, but I've got a bit of a problem with my Mac. I'm still on the PowerBook G4, and I'm using Tiger. I'm upgrading to Leopard. Brilliant, I'm really looking forward to it. But I don't want to use the setup assistant. I've got a lot of craft, I've got a lot of stuff that I just want to get rid of. I really want that new Mac smell. Can you tell me how I can upgrade to, Ti- to Leopard, sorry, and bring across my mail, my cha-ching, my address book, and all my Firefox uh, bookmarks and preferences. That'd be really cool. Thank you very much, guys. Keep up the good work. Ah, I like that background music. I'm grooving on that little cowbell thing going on. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay, but anyway, back to the uh, to the question here. Okay, so, yeah, the migration assistant is not what you want to use if this is your goal. If, if you really want that clean and, and, uh, and lean, fresh start, then it, you want to do exactly what Max describes. Just do that. Skip the migration assistant. Skip. Do the setup assistant because the setup assistant will uh, get you resynced with .Mac and all of that other stuff. Get your name in there. Get you registered. 
but you don't want to use the migration assistant. Okay. Uh, mail. Now we've dug into some of this stuff. So to answer Max's questions, mail is stored in your home folder. Obviously you want a full backup before you do this. Uh, Max had sent us an email that said he, he backs up every day with retrospect. So, uh, you want a full backup before you do this, obviously. Then from your backup, you're going to go to your old home folder, library folder, and then there's a folder called mail. And that's where all of your mail data and preferences are stored, including your bundles if you've got any uh, third-party stuff uh, added into mail. So you might want to check the bundles folder to see if there's any third-party stuff you want to keep or not. But otherwise, that folder is one you want to grab. Firefox is stored in home slash library slash application support. Now home would be slash users slash your user, your short username. So in my case, it'd be slash users slash Dave slash library slash application support slash Firefox. And then in that folder, there's a profiles folder. Uh, you may want the whole Firefox folder. You may decide you only want profiles. You may decide you only want one of the profiles from there in uh, the first time you launch Firefox, it'll create that folder. And then you could migrate stuff in from your old one as you, as you see fit. Uh, address book again, home library application support address book. That's got everything in it right there. Um, once with address book, once you copy stuff in reboot right away, Th that address book database is used by a lot of different things. Make sure you don't have mail, iChat or address book running, but go ahead and reboot right away just to make sure that's that change sticks. Uh, and I'm not sure about cha-ching. It's actually an app I've never heard of before. John, have you, have you heard of it? No. Okay. Uh, but I, I think home library application support is a good place to look for that. And then you just look down the list and see if, if cha-ching or perhaps if, uh, you know, uh, Rosie boy software makes cha-ching and they, they don't, if they do, that'd be a really, really wild guess. But, uh, you know, I don't even think there's a company called Rosie boy software, but it, let's say Rosie boy software <laughs> makes cha-ching. You go down the list, you find Rosie boy software and you look, oh, there's cha-ching and uh, cha-chong and all the other stuff that they, uh, they make might be listed there. Some, some companies do it that way. Some companies don't. So that's, uh, that answers Max's question. Now, John and I were talking a little bit about this ahead of time and, John, you had a, some thoughts about maybe some other things he might want to consider bringing over, even though he doesn't yes. want to bring over all the cruft. Yeah. So first off, uh, Cha-Ching is made by Midnight Apps, which uh, that's kind of a cool name. That's much cooler so than Rosie like Boy uh, Software. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. So a couple of other things you may want to bring over. So I, I found a couple. So one, a lot of things are stored uh, on a user level in home directory slash library slash preferences. Right. Um, because you can notice, I mean, if you just install things fresh, things that you entered in the past, or I mean, there are just so many things that well-behaved applications store in preferences that you're, you're going to notice it. So for certain apps, you know, a license key or things like that may be stored in a preference file. You may want to bring those over on an as-needed basis. You could bring the whole thing over, but then that, that kind of goes against the, you know, aversion here to bring over Cruft, because there may be a lot of Cruft in your preferences folder. So um, and and then if you take the the same folder but from the main volume slash library slash preferences um, that's more system level stuff and there may be things in there again that uh, you may need to, to get at now I did find an explicit one day when I was looking through uh, uh, home directory slash library there's a keychains folder um, you know those you may want to you took the words right out of my mouth yep okay you yep. want to bring the keychains I just noticed that as I was looking through the folders and that just jumped out at me so the migration assistant. Definitely brings that over for you, but yeah. uh, normally uh, I think I, it'd be just yeah. 
I can't see any reason why you wouldn't want to bring your keychain over. It's got, you know, all your Safari save passwords, uh, all that stuff. I just, I can't see a harm in bringing that over. Uh, you know, if there's stuff in there you don't want, you can certainly go through the keychain and weed out the stuff you don't want. But my guess is your life is going to be a whole lot better if you migrate that, that keychain. Um, and I guess, well, keychain sync with .Mac now, so I guess you yeah. could also, uh, you know, count on that. But it's always... You know, better to have more copies than less. So uh, I'm with you. So uh, th- those are my uh, additional suggestions to do. Uh, get a clean start, but it's a it's a good thing. But I think it, I mean I, I got to say the migration assistant for the most part does a really nice job. But but I can understand the desire, especially like you know I started on OS 10, so I got you know major cruft until uh, you know I ran into a problem and started fresh. So right. uh, good thinking. Uh, all right. Uh, so we're moving along to James, and James has a question that I didn't think there was an answer to. But John, you're gonna uh, you're gonna tell me differently. Hey, John and Dave, this is James from Pennsylvania. I'm calling with a couple questions. First of all, my dad wants to get rid of the chime or tone when he starts with his Mac. He doesn't like it. I don't know why, but he wants to get rid of it. If you could tell me, that'd be great. Thanks. Bye. All right, so James said he had a couple of questions, but yet left only one. But it's a good one, and John, you're mm-hmm. gonna uh, you're gonna help us with this. Yeah. So here is the um, so we're gonna give the uh, the geeky and the uh, kind of everybody else uh, solution here. So the kind of geeky way to solve this problem, um, you know, a tip of the uh, tip of the propeller beanie to uh, Mac OS 10 hints. Um, yeah. And basically, they have a solution that that someone provided that uh, is Unix scripts, and it has to do with a file. I think it's a slash etc slash volume settings and. Uh, Dave has more script foo than I do, and you, you uh, peruse it, and basically, I guess it just saves a setting before you shut down and then restores it when you start up. Is is that kind of the gist of it? Or it, it, that's 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 right. But uh, the file slash Etsy slash volumes dot settings is not a standard file on your Mac. It's actually a file that this script creates. What it oh it pipes it out there. Okay, it's okay. right exactly. It's two scripts. One that you hang on your shutdown process, and when it shuts off the system. Uh, and what John's going to tell you is when your sound is muted, when your computer, if your sound is muted before the computer shut down, it will not sound the startup chime. So what this does is it goes and grabs the script, goes and grabs your current volume setting and saves it to this slash Etsy slash volume dot settings. But it could save it anywhere just as long as it's a file that it knows to get. Then it mutes the sound. Then when you start back up, hangs another script off of the startup process goes and fetches the sound from this slash Etsy slash startup settings. If the sound is muted, boom, it restores it to whatever uh, it was prior. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's script. That's the geeky way to go. Uh, and, you know, fun for everybody, fun for the whole family. But, <laughs> but uh, let's say, you know, the whole family doesn't really like Unix scripting. But what then, John? Why shouldn't they? I mean, aren't your kids into Unix scripting, Dave? <laughs> or not yet? Um, yeah, not yet. <laughs> All right. So then I did a bit more surfing and I found something. Um, actually, this hasn't been updated in a while, but it, it seems to be an accurate resource. I found Jeff's Mac support website. And actually, yeah, I see on the bottom, the last updated was 2005. But the uh, advice is valid. And uh, so Jeff here points out three ways. So one, and I'm sure you can find this buried in the Apple documentation somewhere, but um, holding down the mute button uh, on a one-off basis. Uh, I haven't tried this, but... Uh, Sounds like something pretty easy to try. So we'll, we'll let you know if that works out. And, you know, depending on your Mac, like on my portable, it's a F3 on the some of the keyboards. It's an, and it's an explicit key. So try that. The other is Dave already pointed out is if you turn the volume down, that you may not want to do that on a global basis. 
Um, and then the third one is that there's a uh, pref pane called startupsound.pref pane. And as you can imagine, what it does gives you a preference, preference pane in your system preferences, and you can specify what the startup sound volume is. Uh, um, do you know if the startup sound pref pane works with Leopard? Um, I only tried it on my Tiger PowerBook G4, so I okay. do not know. I'm looking at the info on MacUpdate.com, and it it seems that it says 10.4 or later. So I'm going to guess that it's going to work. It, it, I think the general gist of things hasn't changed a whole lot in in that regard. So, and it may be doing what that script does. It's yep. just doing it in a clever way that that you know shields it from the the user. Yeah. That, so that's really truly the fun for the whole family. Mm-hmm. Right, right, John. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adam, we'll take uh, we'll take that question. Hi, guys. This is Adam in Hollis, New Hampshire. I have a question for you. I'm currently running Skype on OS 10.4, and I'm wondering if there's a way to have an audio control in Skype so that I can adjust the volume in my headset independently of the volume that's set for the max line output for speakers. So if you could let me know, I'd sure appreciate it. You may have covered this before, but I certainly don't remember. Thanks. You bet. Okay. Yeah. In fact, uh, John and I are using Skype right now, and I see a beautiful little volume slider right in the middle of our window, but we are using the Skype 2.7 beta, which of course is publicly available, and we'll pop a link in the show notes, and, and I'm sure Michael uh, from iPhone Alley has put one right here in the uh, enhanced AAC feed. So there you go. Uh, that, that, that will include it. That it's just It's just that simple. Uh, if you, for whatever reason, don't want to use the beta of Skype, uh, you could get really geeky and grab something like audio hijack pro and hijack the Skype signal. And then from there you can use that, you know, one of the effects or whatever to, uh, to tweak the volume. But frankly, that's more trouble than it's worth. Uh, not that AHP isn't great. We use it. In fact, we're using that right now too, but, uh, but go get the beta of Skype and, and that'll get you there. You you have anything to add to that, uh, for me, John? Nope, that that covers it. Okay, our first sponsor for this show is EMC Insignia. And EMC Insignia would like to invite everyone that's coming to Macworld Expo to visit their booth uh, in the West Hall, booth W4520, starting January 15th, which is the day that the show starts. Uh, And you can hear the latest retrospect news and enter to win an iPod Touch. Uh, they, EMC retrospect is the, their award-winning backup utility. I use it uh, every day and I can't wait to hear what this news is. Um, and, uh, I'm sure there's lots of us out here that, that, uh, perhaps have been waiting for news from retrospect. So visiting their booth, uh, W4520 starting January 15th, go check it out, find out all about uh, what they're talking about. We'll, we'll be talking about this more next week and, uh, and you can enter to win an iPod touch. So, uh, last week and, and really for the last couple of weeks, John, I've been lamenting how I really like to use iCal because, uh, of various reasons. It's the built into the OS 10. There's really no other great calendar available for the Mac, but their to do support is limiting. And one thing that I was really looking for was get me a list of the to do's that I can see that are only due today, either things that were due, you know, a week ago that I still haven't done and up through today. But I don't want to see all this stuff in the future. Now, if I go into iCal and I set it to sort by due date and limit to the calendar view, it's going to show me, for, for example, today, everything that's due up until 
the end of the month if I look in month view. And, and I just don't need to see what's due on the 22nd of the month. Yes, I can see it in order. And yeah, I, I'm smart enough to understand that that's how that works. But I just don't want to see it. I, if I have all this stuff due today, I want to check it off. I, you know, I, I am, I, you know, anal retentive about this stuff. I want to check off my to-do list and never see, you know, see it empty at the end of the day. That's a beautiful, wonderful feeling. Not every day works out that way, but that's mm -hmm. how it goes. So I talked last week about Bento being uh, from FileMaker being a potential solution, but it, you know, it's missing some key features in the way that you search data. And someone posted in our show notes uh, for Mac geek out number one thirty four, And they said, uh, yeah, you know, iCal's to do view stinks. Why don't you check out Mail's smart mailboxes? And sure enough, in Leopard, you can create a smart mailbox that's not full of mail, but is full of to-dos. And there's all sorts of different criteria that you can apply. And one of them is that the to-do is overdue. And that pretty much does exactly what I wanted. I can also have it show me all the to-dos that are due this week after today. And I can show it all the things that I've completed in, say, the last two weeks. So I've got you know, three different smart mailboxes, all related to my to-dos, and I can totally manage my to-dos right there in mail. And with, with that, with that one piece of advice, I migrated everything over from uh, now up to date to iCal. And I did that actually by syncing to my, my, my Palm Trio and then syncing back to iCal. That was the easiest way to do the import. Um, and I've been living in iCal essentially for a week now, you know, six days. And uh, very happy very happy I can sync with everything. Still not entirely pleased with to-do support. Uh, it could be better. That We talked a little bit about this, John. In Leopard, iCal now, uh, the calendar store, the, the place where the calendar data is stored is kind of separate from the app. And in fact, the calendar store supports a lot of things, including recurring to-dos. The schema supports it. Everything supports it, except iCal doesn't. So this has opened up an opportunity for a lot of third-party developers here. And I think while you were building last week's show notes, you found some apps out there, John, that, uh, that might be handy for folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to try them, but we'll link to them. So the first one I found, so there was, and this reflects what you've been pointing out, that, that there was a fundamental change in the way this stuff was stored. So one I found was high priority. Their uh, tagline is manager iCal to do items anywhere, anytime. That's for Tiger, but then there's uh, another app uh, called Anxiety, yep. uh, lightweight to-do management, and that works on Leopard. And actually the prior product explicitly says we don't work with Leopard because it's different. So we got one app for Tiger, one for Leopard, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll check them out of detail at some point, either you or I. And I, I um, checked out anxiety a little bit. Um, it's, it's okay. It's not fantastic. It's, it, I, you know, I think it's great for people, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't deliver the information in a way that I want to see it. But again, that's the beauty of, of this new calendar store is that there's so many opportunities available. And I think we're going to see, a whole lot more kind of come out of this over the, you know, the next six to eight months. I hope anyway, that would, uh, that's my dream. So if any of you are, you know, budding developers and you want to hear us pimp a product week after week after week, uh, <laughs> you know, go ahead and create this and, and I won't stop talking about it. So that's, uh, that's my, that's the most I can do. I, I don't know. I mean, I'll pay you for the product too, but you know, I don't think my, my 30 bucks is going to make or break anybody's, uh, you know, <laughs> It's like, that's not your, that's not your programming budget. So, but we'll give you some, some free promotion because it, it is the thing that we want. So that's the best, that's the best we can offer, John. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm with you. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. 
Yeah, we can talk about Chadwick. And I'll apologize first that I called Chadwick Chapman last week. Uh, he understands. It's hard to understand the uh, voice comments sometimes. But this time Chadwick wrote to us. And he was talking, we were talking about restoring to-dos and iCal events from Time Machine. And the, the issue with the caller, Robert said, look, you know, I tried to go to Time Machine from iCal and all it did was brought me to the Finder, so it must not work. There are, and, and here's what Chadwick writes. There are a few applications, namely iPhoto, Mail, and maybe a few of others, that have direct support in Time Machine. That is, if you have one of these apps open and click on Time Machine, the app stays open as Time Machine activates. Then Time Machine gives you the ability to search back through time in that app specifically. Obviously a very nice future, but limited to certain apps. iCal is not one of them, at least not yet. If one activates Time Machine with any other app open, then a Finder window appears to allow you to search back in time. The way Robert interpreted this was that Time Machine is not backing up iCal and his to-dos. Not true. Time Machine backs up everything. However, there isn't just the easy, fancy way of restoring iCal as there is with Mail. It takes a little more effort. In the Finder, in Time Machine or not, one can navigate to your home folder, again, slash users, slash short username, slash library, slash calendars. Once here, you'll see a list of all your calendars with terrible to recognize names. But the cool thing is you can navigate inside your calendar folder and turn on cover flow and you'll actually be scrolling through all of your events and to do's right there in cover flow. So you can quickly see which calendar is which and then decide which one you want to restore. Click on it and it pulls it forward and then iCal has it to access. So thank you, Chadwick, a.k.a. <laughs> a.k.a. Chapman. Uh, that I think, I think that, uh, that'll, that'll help. And of course that will work with any third party app, uh, or any Apple app that's not directly supported by time machine. You got, you got anything to add there mm -hmm. before we, before we really get geeky here, John? Nope. And I guess where we're going to get geeky is, is pretty much a follow up. So, so I got to say in my defense that I think the advice that I gave was, uh, um, intuitive, well, uh, 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 intuitive and, and somewhat correct, but, but the reality of what, what hides beneath the surface is, is a little more complex than, uh, than I think we thought. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think his name is Scott. It was hard to tell again with the call, but uh, in, in any event, here we go with uh, an explanation and, and we'll follow it up with a little bit of discussion here. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. Uh, Scotty from Sydney, Australia. Me regarding the uh, Time Machine article you uh, published in uh, MegaGab134, just letting you know, Internally, Time Machine uses hard links to both files and directories. So it looks like every one of those timestamp subdirectories has absolutely everything into it. But if a file hasn't changed, every single one of those trees points back. Even if it's like a, a directory tree that hasn't changed, there'll be a, a hard directory link in there somewhere. The practical upshot of that is it's very, very hard for you to copy anything in there. Even if Time Machine would let you, which it doesn't, there's a whole lot of code in there to stop you from doing that. If Time Machine is running, if you unmount that and attach it to something else, try and copy data in there, it just won't work. You're going to have to be very, very clever and subtle about it. Now, I'm hoping that there's someone out there who's poking at it and trying to get that working because you know, other tools to help manage Time Machine would be very, very nice, but it's not just something you can pull off yourself from the command line. Great show. Have a great one. Okay. So, uh, 
John and I had a, actually a fantastic discussion before the show. So I'm, I'm going to ho- hopefully we can we can recapture some of this here uh, about this. So the idea is in Unix, and and this is important to understand to understand how Time Machine works. Uh, there are such things as soft links or symbolic links and hard links. A symbolic link. Well, let's take a step step back. Let me let me see if I'm doing this right, John. When you create a file on the drive. You have the file created out there and it takes up whatever space it takes up. Let's assume for the moment that we've created a small file and it takes up one block and it's block number one, five, seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then there's, there's the table of contents, the directory. And we've talked about this before. It's the thing that you try to fix when, when you're working with uh, disk repair in disk utility, drive uh, disk warrior, drive genius, et cetera. So you've got the directory, which is the table of contents. And so now you've got this file written out at block 157, but you need to be able to you're, you need to be able to find that. So your Mac says, OK, we're going to put an entry in the directory and we're going to call this Dave's file and it's Dave's file. And there's a little pointer there that says this file lives at block 157. That is a hard link to that file. It points to where the data actually lives on the disk. You can create multiple hard links so you could have five different links that, it, you know, Dave's file one, Dave's file two, Dave's file three, all pointing to that same thing. If you delete one of them, it only removes the directory entry. The other four stay. That's a hard link watered down. A soft link or a symbolic link is something that points to the directory entry. So if we've got, you know, Dave's file and it's in a certain subdirectory and it points to block number one, five, seven and we then create a symbolic link, you know, Dave's symbolic link to file. It's going to point to the directory entry for it. If we delete the original Dave's file, the symbolic link will no longer work because it doesn't know where the data was. It only knows where the directory entry was and that's been deleted. So what time machine does now that we, did I get that right, John? You think I got that right? Uh, yeah. Okay. In my mind. Okay, so. mine, mine too. So that makes two of us. We're uh, two thumbs up, right? <laughs> Four thumbs up even. We've each got two. Uh, what Time Machine does is it creates, if you look in the Time Machine backups, it creates, uh, like, uh, like Scott said, it creates multiple folders, one for each time it backs up, either hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, etc. In each of those folders, the first time you back up, it actually does copy everything over. The second time you back up, it only copies the things that have changed. But if you go into the folder for the second backup, it's going to look like everything is there. What Scott's saying is that all of those are hard links back to the same place, the same data that was saved the first backup. So the only time it's not a hard link to the original data is when the file has changed. And then obviously it's a hard link to the new data. And that's how this works. That's how you're able to kind of roll forward, even though you might lose, let's say, you know, time machine backs up a full week. And then after the week is over, it, it, uh, you know, it backs up every day for a week after the week is over, it rolls it all into just one backup for the week. Well, it doesn't roll anything. It just deletes the old entries and takes the last backup for the week and says, boom, this is it. It doesn't have to move any files around. It doesn't have to do any magic because it's already right there. It's all these hard links pointing right where it needs to be. The problem, of course, is if you try to move this stuff around or heaven forbid, copy it to another drive, 
it's going to blow up. And that's why the OS stops you from doing that. There's and, and, you know, Scott mused that perhaps somebody will have some additional, you know, utilities or whatever to manage these time machine data stores, because it's, it's a whole lot more complex than certainly than I realized. So uh, I, I think we got that so, right, John. So it sounds like the, there's the potential if you know what's what in that whole backup to, to make sense of it. But yeah, looking at it, it appears, oh, look, it's just all my stuff is there. But but it really isn't. It, it's there, but in different forms. Right. And, and it's all say. fine and good until you try to move that stuff around or try to try to change it in any way reading the data from it no problem you read that stuff all day long it, it's exact you'll get exactly what you think you're going to get but moving mm -hmm. it around and massaging it man that like like scott said you got to be really careful there so yeah and i actually found something good uh ars technica which is uh i think a great site and their mac geeks uh, uh get another tip of the propeller beanie um yeah uh, i got a, a link to an article where they they go into the level uh more detail than we did Okay. Uh, about this whole thing. But in general, I think they praise Time Machine because it is deceptively simple when you look at it, uh, how it's doing what it's doing. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, right. Right. Our second sponsor for this show is Smile on My Mac, our friends at Smile on My Mac, with PDF Pen. Now, PDF Pen is an application that lets you modify, manage, create, and use PDFs in a way that preview just can't even touch it. It's uh, you can take two PDFs, pull a couple of pages out of one, pull a couple of pages out of the other, arrange them the way you'd like, save it as a whole new PDF. You can also edit. If you want to fill out a form on a PDF, that's not built to have forms. You can do that. You can put text and graphics anywhere you like on a PDF. You can even, if you scan your signature in, you can even put your signature on a, a document you know, let's say you get a, an email in. They say, look, fill out this form, sign it and send it back. Paste your signature in. Boom. You can email them back a PDF in minutes. I do it all the time with contracts and, and agreements. And it works really, really well, really, really fast. Once you've got PDF pen in your workflow, you won't be able to get rid of it. And this is PDF pen from smile on my Mac dot com. Uh, it is forty nine ninety five. But uh, uh, as you would expect, there's a trial available so you can go ahead and uh, and see if it's going to stick for you and then go ahead and ante up when the time is right. So smile on my Mac.com PDF pen with that, John, do we have uh yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, yeah. I, I think it, yeah, it, it's time to, to, to get the rant meter going here. All right. Listen, uh, we got an email and I'm not going to say the person's name and this person wrote in and he said, I think it's a, he, I, honestly, I don't even know based on the name. Uh, it says, you know how annoying those ads are on websites that try and make themselves look like little windows and cover up content on a page? Well, here's a quick fix for that. If you have a site bookmark, simply change the bookmark address from, and he uses PCWorld.com, but it could be MacObserver.com. So www.MacObserver.com slash, you change it to www.MacObserver.com slash pound or the number sign, which is, you know, shift three. It will automatically close those annoying pop-up ads for you. Try it. Okay, well, I went, I, I didn't see it make any difference here, but that's not the reason I'm sharing the tip. I don't know if this, this tip actually works or not, but you know, the problem is that this is how you pay for these sites, right? If you visit a site and, and I know there's people out there that don't like ads on the web, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not a, 
I'm not a huge fan of them when they're done incorrectly. And, and we all have our definitions of what incorrectly means. But here's the deal. Your way of paying for the content on a website is allowing the site to show you the ads of their choice. If you don't like those ads, don't block them. You're just stealing at that point. Just don't visit the site. This is, you know, this is how it works. Uh, I, I've, we've talked about this before. It, it just, it baffles me that there's folks out there that think that it's just okay to go ahead and, and, you know, effectively steal this content and, and that they expect it for free. It's not free. A lot of work goes into this. Trust me. I've been doing this 10 years. Uh, and, and there's certainly, there's people that visit TMO that use ad blockers and we don't go out of our way to stop them. Uh, enough people that visit TMO don't use ad blockers and it works fine for us. And obviously we've got a successful business going, but it does kill me that, that folks think that this stuff just magically appears on the web and, you know, we don't have to pay people to write it and we don't have to pay for hosting. We don't have to pay for the bandwidth they use to download it. It's all, you know, it's all just fine and good. They don't need to see the ads. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's my, uh, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in a good mood tonight, so I can't really get all fired yeah. up about oh, this. Well, but. my only follow-up though is yeah. uh, what I will have to say, because I mean, you know, Hey, it, you know, uh, is part of my bread and butter too, but, right. um, uh, the thing is what I do not like is ones that like hijack your computer. Like I'm with you, man. You know, I mean, the ones that will like take a like, oh, I'm sorry, I guess they won't be a sponsor, but like weather.com or, or some others where you're looking at data and all of a sudden it splashes something in front of it and the whole user, it just jars you. Right. Like the whole user experience just is disrupted and now you're all of a sudden really not happy. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the ones, the intrusive ones. I mean, I, I got to say the pop up ones are typically kind of. You know, sometimes get me. Um, That's if why not we've, done right. we've never done pop-ups or pop-unders on TMO. Never, ever. And, and yeah, it's because I don't where, like them. I don't believe in them. So. Yeah, but things on this, you know, as, as you know, TMO and a lot of other sites um, do, you know, they're, they're placed, uh, you know, in locations where you can take a peek at them if you want. And uh, the, the data is uh, often relevant. We try uh, yeah, to what you're looking right. at. Gee, you know, what a concept making the ads relevant to, uh, that's to the key. what you're yeah. looking at or what you're reading. Yeah. I mean, that's a, uh, so anyway, so that's the only thing I'll say is that, uh, that, you know, there are people who do it right and do it wrong. And, uh, and the ones that do it wrong kind of ruin it for everybody. That's true. That's true. So yeah. Anyway, like I said, I, I have trouble getting fired up about it because I think, you know, it's been a, it's been an all right day. It's not a bad day. <laughs> uh, all right. And next week's a good week, even though it's crazy flying out there to Macworld and, you know, the mayhem and the lack of sleep and yada, yada, you know, all that stuff we can complain about. But it, there's no complaints. There's, it, it's always a fun week. And uh, so I've got uh, I've got a couple of things I'm doing next week. I have now my my session was moved uh, time wise. I told you it was going to be moved. It was it's still Wednesday, the 16th at 1 15 p.m. I still don't have a room for this yet. Well, I do have a room. They just haven't told me what it is. Uh, but there's a link that we'll put in the show notes. The session is running your Mac lean, clean, and mean. Talk for about an hour about kind of a lot of the, the topic, a topic that we've covered here in the show in bits and pieces before. It's kind of all consolidated together. How to get the most out of your Mac. How to make sure you're not getting, you're not running stuff you don't want to be running. How to know what to clean off. How to do it. All that great stuff. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I've been putting the session together for a while. I've actually run it a couple of times. And, uh, and so if you're coming out to Macworld, running your Mac lean, clean, and mean, we'd love to see you there. I, I may show up because I want to know how to make my Mac mean. You do. That's right. Well, you, you got to, it involves um, paint and teeth. 
is that's all I'm going to say. That's a, I don't want to give any more away. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wednesday night, eight o'clock, uh, the Cirque du Mac 5.0 party. John's seen the t-shirt uh, designs. John, in fact, is the, the only person on the planet that's seen them other than, than me and the guy that's designing them. Just finally got the designs tonight, but it's good. It's all working out just fine. Uh, they'll hopefully be there at the club in time for us to, uh, okay. hand them out. To and I would say if you see, yeah, if you see Dave, me or Dave, we may have a ticket or two. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will hunt us down if you need. I to. do sometimes. Yeah. Depending. You'll have, you'll have Try tickets. to pack the joint, right? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, and then Thursday evening at 6 PM at Jillian's, which is right there in the Metreon, uh, on the corner of fourth and Howard, uh, right oh, everybody goes by that to get to the show. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, to get to the South Hall, right? This year, the, the show's yep. also in the West Hall. But uh, I'm doing the Mac Podcaster Meetup panel last year. This is Adam Christensen's, uh, or he organizes it from the MacCast. Last year, they did it at the Apple Store. Uh, this year, they're doing it at, uh, at Jillian's. Kind of works out a little bit better, I guess. And uh, so that's the Mac Podcaster Meetup. And then there's a there's a whole meet and mingle thing after that. I'm not sure how long I can stay. I've got a couple of other commitments that night, but uh, I'll certainly be there for the panel at six. So uh, feel free to to come on by. And that's uh, that's cool. Macworld. Yeah, I'll have to put a link to the uh, yeah the event list uh, has oh, been the, updated. The Hess so, uh, list is up. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll link to that. You know, uh, not all the events are are open to everybody, but uh, right. Hey, give it your best shot. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, you know, we've got a couple of minutes here, John. Uh, we'll, I'll kind of go find the band while we start talking about maybe some of the things we think we'll we lost see. the band. I, well, you know, you know how those guys are. They're freaking musicians. They never, <laughs> they're never there when you need them. Uh, hey, there they are. All right, John. So you and I have talked about a couple of things that, that we think we might see next week announced new announcements from apple mm -hmm. so this is this is our uh, our speculation we don't have any inside info um at least i don't think we do and uh so but i nope. you know there's this whole talk about a, a smaller notebook coming uh yes you know, call Please. it the macbook pro 13 or the or maybe a mac tablet but it, you know kind of a pro level notebook uh in some way 12. shape or form 12. 12, you want a 12-inch screen? That's right, of course. PowerBook G4 12-inch Reborn. That's what I'm counting on. All right, so if this comes, John, do you think it's going to have a touchscreen? You know, the thing is, I mean, Apple has the technology to do that for quite oh, a while. Yeah. I think it's, uh, is it Inkwell or whatever? It's part of the OS. So yep. the capability to, to do that sort of thing is already built in via tablets and other devices. So a touchscreen is just another way to do that. I guess my only thing, well, there is that. Um, they own multi-touch now, or they, at least they licensed it. Right? No, what, what was the, uh, the, the machine the that Microsoft they came out thing. with? There was a, hmm? The Microsoft thing, you mean? No, no, no. The, the, the modified Mac. Modbook oh, was it? I guess the, uh, the modbook from Axiom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got that. So I don't know if Apple's going to reproduce that, but um, no, I'm just thinking the form factor. Um, but you know what? Well, no, that's a tab, more a tablet, but a touchscreen. I don't know what I do with it. Hmm. I'd have hmm. to think about that. So right. I, I, I don't have a strong feeling about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, they're speculating though that speculating. Um, you know, yeah. like some people have said, no optical drive. Right. I guess uh, RAM drives. I think they're still too expensive, but, uh, you know, at some point in the future, maybe within our lifetime, who knows, you know, the mechanical hard drive will go away, but you know, they're, they're still, you know, 
beyond what Ram can do as far as, you know, speed and capacity and the, the industry is just all geared up and they keep making breakthroughs. So, but you know, at some point you may get a machine that has a, uh, yeah, no, no drives, physical or, mechanical drives. What, what if, what if they do something like those, uh, those hybrid drives? Now, maybe it wouldn't be a drive. Maybe it would just be, you know, some flash Ram and then a hard drive and, and some, mm-hmm. something in the OS that, you know, maybe puts a virtual memory on the flash Ram or you know caches out on the flash ram right there could be a way of 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 really intelligently making os 10 use flash ram in addition to a hard drive to make it that much more energy efficient that much faster etc etc what do you think about that well it could meet well you know you and i i mean you know how i go on about the whole uh, device removal kind of deal and uh you know uh, coming up with an architecture that could get around that uh mishap there of you know accidentally uh, or purposely um, pulling devices out of the, the machine when when the machine doesn't want you to. Hmm. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of service. Uh, go ahead. What do you got? Oh no, go ahead. All right. So so I'm thinking uh, services. I mean, you know, there, there's been also speculation about um, more. Um, you know, well, people keep going on about subscription services. I, I still don't know if it makes sense for Apple to do that sort of thing. Though I hear maybe more movie deals may be coming. Again, that's that's just complimenting what they have already. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do something with the Apple TV, because my understanding is the Apple TV hasn't really met with a, a lot of success. So I was hoping, actually, at one point, maybe it'll come in the future, but an Apple-branded T- HD TV with all the stuff built in. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, well, I, think I mean the prices are dropping on those where they could get oh, one, yeah. do the Apple thing and make a little money still. Yep. Yeah, no, I I think a, an updated Apple TV, I think there's a good chance of that coming. Sure. I'll I'll, I'll buy into that. The the other thing I think we're going to see is finally, hopefully, new displays. Right? It's been years since the displays were revved and here's the thing. You buy a a, a Mac Mini or a Mac Pro, right? You dump as much money as you possibly can on a Mac. The one thing you can't do, iChat AV. Mm-hmm. Right? Can't buy an iSight anymore, and there's no display sold by that Apple. That was a beautiful camera. Why did I, I, I'm glad I got one. I used to get yeah. still a mini But that was an awesome camera for the yeah. price and, and the, the form factor. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the built-in ones, they're, they're tiny. There's only so much you can do with a teeny little lens versus, it, you know, a full, full-size camera. At least it's something, though. Right? I mean, oh, it, yeah, yeah. The... the, uh, the Right now, like I said, you buy a Mac Mini or a Mac Pro, you don't get a camera. So I think displays with cameras have to come. I, I, I'm sh- I'm shocked that we haven't seen them yet. So I, I'm hoping that we see them next week. And uh, now, another thing I'd like to see, yep. which I've seen on uh, PCs, especially Dell. You know, Dell's not all bad. I I, I used all stuff at the, uh, sure. the day job, but uh, uh, Dell displays have um, both uh, both my Dell display and my Dell. Um, machine, it's an Inspiron, um, have slots for reading memory cards, specifically SD. Yep. Which uh, I have in my palm, and I also, you know, a lot of people uh, uh, around me have them in their uh, their cameras. So having a memory card reader of any sort in the machine, and, you know, it's technically feasible. I, I'm actually curious why Apple really hasn't, yeah. you know, they kind of left it, left it third parties, or, or doing it with wireless. I guess they feel that's the more elegant way, like Bluetooth or something, but... Uh, mm. You know, I, I have a, a flash go and, and you probably have some sort of USB adapter. But wouldn't it be nice if it was built in? 
That would be cool. The problem is, you know, what do you build something in that reads everything? Do you pick one yeah. format? I mean, maybe that's the the reason because it's always seemed kind of kludgy to me. Like, oh, you have you know three, but no, oh, you don't have the one that your digital camera uses. Too bad. Sorry. Yeah, Dell settles. I think. Well, on the portables, they settle for SD. Um, okay. Okay. Which is pretty common. Yeah. Uh, no, but then cameras more like I have a CF camera. Well, I have both. I use CF and. Uh, SD cards, so uh, I, I think those are probably the two more popular. But yeah, there's they keep coming out with new ones. I, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then lastly, we've got uh, you know Apple's beloved device, right? The iPhone. It, are we going to see a new rev to the iPhone? And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think we have to. And the reason I'll say that is AT and T has said that you know certainly sometime during the first half of 08 they're going to be selling a 3G version of the iPhone. So something that, you know, finally can do faster than edge in areas where it's available. Mm. If Apple were just going to upgrade, upgrade the Ram on the iPhone from say eight to 16 or possibly even 32, I don't think, and I am no, you know, my, my legal knowledge officially goes nowhere. Right. But I don't think they would have to get FCC approval to just update the Ram on the thing. I may be wrong, my guess is if there's something they could do without having to tell the FCC about it ahead of time, that would be it, updating the RAM. But if you're going to go 3G, man, you got to start all over again and do that whole approval process again. And it's a very public process, as we saw last year. So I think in mm-hmm. order for that to happen, they've got to come out and say, we are doing this. And then they can start the process. And that way that Apple gets to release the details in their fashion, as opposed to letting you know people just read the FCC filings. So... With that, I think we've got to see something about it next week. Now, what that's going to do to to iPhone sales in the interim, man, I, you know, I don't know. But I think if they're going to do it, they have to, unless there's something I'm missing in the process. And, and please, you know, if, out there, let us know. Well, the final one, I think, and uh, uh, Robert wrote in about this, but uh, this is going to be the surprise announcement, is the iFridge. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Well, I can kind of sympathize or, or because I, I had to replace mine. Oh, you man. did. That's right. Yeah. So now it, you just yeah. bought a fridge. Oh, that guarantees it, man. That guarantees that Apple's exactly. going to release a fridge next week. That's I right. won't be able to get the My house is falling apart now. No, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, six years old and the compressor just bam. Wow. That's as far as, yeah. So, uh, of course, you know how long the warranty is. Five, five, five years. years. That's right. Right. So after six, the compressor goes. Or, it uh, seems. I mean, I've had fridges last 10 years. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, who knows? I, I yeah. Who knows what's going on? And then yeah, the other day, uh, you know, uh, fun with uh, yeah. You should get the band in here, but uh, yeah, fun with uh, owning a home is uh, uh, you know what a circulator pump is and your oil burner for the first time. Mine sang to me. Oh, that's which not good. you don't want your circulator pump, which moves the water to heat your house around, sing to you because that means it's about to uh, die and uh, <laughs> it's important to circulate the water when uh, when the, you're in the the northeast or anywhere where it's cold <laughs> yeah yeah if that's how you heat your house absolutely so the guy's coming tomorrow morning to uh, pop in a new one oh good all right uh, and I think with that we're done so we the next time we talk to you will be from uh, beautiful San Francisco California from uh, whatever hotel we're in we'll let you know then uh, let's see cashfly hosting is the place you downloaded this show Podcast Marketplace includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, PDF Print from Smile on My Mac, 
Retrospect from EMC Insignia and Harmon-Etravel.com for your last-minute Macworld Expo travel needs. And uh, this show is brought to you by the letters nine, by the number nine and the letter P. John, do you have anything to tell them before we go? Um, don't get caught. <laughs>